How we doing, Hope City Church? Good? Everybody doing good? Happy Mother's Day to everybody. My name is Jason, and I'm the pastor here at the church, and we are so excited that you're here today. If you're here today as a gift to your mom or your grandmother, uh, great gift. We think that's a phenomenal gift. We hope they bribed you to get you here. We're all about that. We're, we're cool with that, and uh, we just hope that you feel at home and uh, seeing some familiar faces today, and we're just glad that you're here. And yes, this is Mother's Day, and, and, and we love Mother's Day, but it's really Ladies' Day. It's really Ladies' Day, because here's what I know about the ladies, is that you're caring for somebody, all right? You're caring for somebody, and so we really just kind of celebrate Ladies' Day today. I know they mentioned at the beginning of service, uh, shout out to all the single dads, too, because you're, you're rocking it. Andrea's been out of town for a couple of days, and uh, I feel like a single dad, and uh, yeah, so I'm going to celebrate me today. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, because it's been, it's been crazy. We held it down to about half the day yesterday, and then we just locked the doors and just hunkered down. And, uh, but we made it. So we really are glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. And I'm glad you're here because today we're going to do one of my favorite things that we do here. We call it Five for Five. And what we're doing today is we have asked five of the, the ladies, the leading ladies here at Hope City Church, uh, who are moms to speak for us today, but we call it five for five because five speakers speak for five minutes. Five speakers speak for five minutes, and so you're going to get to hear their best five-minute message today. You're going to get to hear uh, some different topics. I got to hear it at our nine o'clock, and uh, it was so good, so I know you're going to love it. And what I love about this format is that um, you, get, it, it, you get so many different things that speak to so many different people, so I, I'm confident that God's going to speak to you today. I have found that that the more, the more I value what's being said, the more value I get out of it. And the more I listen, the more that I hear. And so I really want to encourage you today to lean in, and it's going to be good. Are y'all ready for speaker number one? Okay. All right, all right, all right. Our first speaker today is a mom of two. And she has served at Hope City Church for the last decade in a number of roles. Every time she tries to step down from something, I give her a new job. And because uh, she's that important and that valuable and that awesome. Her daughter, Erin, said that her superpower is compassion. Compassion. And, and her daughter, Erin, said that her go-to dish is green beans. That she cooked so many green beans growing up that Erin don't want to touch them anymore because that was the go-to dish. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Miss Kim Greenwood. Thank you. Thank you. I told first service this morning they made me go first, which means I, to, I get to control the clock. So I get to tell them when to start. Um, and I also said, uh, this, y'all, I've been sick for two weeks but God is good, and he provides. So, okay, I'm ready. Here we go. All right, um, so I have this bracelet that I've been wearing for about five months, most days, and it's a so good bracelet. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I like to say so good around here, Uh, but it's very cool. It's very stylish, but it also has a Bible verse on it, and some friends that I love very much, they actually gave Greg and I one of these for Christmas, and um, and so mine is Galatians 6, 9, and here's what it says. So let us not get tired of doing what is good, At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, at the time they gave me this bracelet, um, it was very comforting. Um, It was very important to me because of the season that Greg and I were in, in terms of parenting. So the question we were asking is like, 
What do you do when you've invested, you've done good work for a long time, but you're still not quite seeing the harvest or reward that you thought you were gonna see, right? So we have two incredible, incredible, amazing kids. Our oldest is 20. Our youngest will be 18 in less than a month. And so we are parenting young adults. And y'all, let me say, if you're parenting young adults, can I say, this is hard work, man. Oh my gosh. When we started a family, I kind of knew about the stages, you know, people talked about. So it was like the terrible twos. And then they get to elementary school and it's kind of cool because they get a personality and they ask questions. And then middle school, puberty, just try to get through it. And then high school, look out, it can be cool, but rebellion and everything, right? So, but nobody talked about parenting young adults, and now I know why. Because, like, you're in shock when you get to that stage. When you talk to a parent of of a little kid, they're sort of in shock because they're sleep-deprived. It's like physical deprivation. But with parenting young adults, you ask us how it's going, we don't even know how to answer. Like, we literally don't know how to answer that question. And so I I tend to think of an analogy of raising, so like thinking from zero to 18, my analogy was like running a marathon. So it's like, you kind of know your course and you know about how long it's gonna take you. And so you're running it, running it, running it. You're almost to the finish line, you can see it. And then somebody throws up a blockade and they veer you off road. And then you're like jumping over fire and there's a water thing you gotta swing over. I'm like, my marathon just turned into the rugged maniac. What is going on, right? And you are so focused. You just want them to be alive and functioning by the time they get to 18. Just please. And like they know everything they need to know, okay? And then you just wanna like give them a little push and they'll take off. But no, you give them a push and they zig and they zag and they crash and they burn. And you start to ask yourself, you stop and you look behind you and man, the devil starts playing with your insecurities and you start going, what did I do wrong? What did we do that wasn't enough? What did we miss? So we make these hard choices. We want so much for them. And we, and we just want to teach them to do the right thing. And we, we want them to be adults who, who are responsible and, and who can make it. And, 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 and we want them to have a faith. Oh, my gosh. We want them to build their life on a strong faith. We want that for them. But they make decisions that you just don't understand. And they make choices that you wouldn't make and you just don't get it. And, and we're, you know, we're... They're amazing, but we, we ask, God, where's, where's the reward? Where's the blessing? Those things we wanted for them, where is that? So maybe you're asking this question as a parent, or maybe you're asking it in your workplace. You've given, you've given, you've given. Or in school, you've worked so hard. Or in your marriage, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and you're asking the question, where is the reward? Where is the blessing? God grows our faith when our race course starts to look different and we don't know what the end is. When we don't have a physical, tangible evidence, we can't touch it, see it, feel it of what the end is gonna look like and when we're gonna get there. Sometimes the evidence is even contrary to what we wanted. But faith is trusting in what we cannot see by trusting what we can see. And so we can trust in the friends that God puts in our lives who, 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 who remind us of God's promises. 
and we can trust in the stories that we see in our community of faith where people are seeing rewards. They're reaping blessings. So our friends who gave us these, um, they actually gave us a note with these bracelets, and I still have it. And this is what they, they said. They said, this verse is a reminder that we work, but God provides the harvest. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So do the work. Don't give up. God will bring the crop. That's good. Come on. It's better than that. That was good. How many people have ever grown weary or gotten tired doing good? Let me see your hand. You ever gotten tired, frustrated, doing good? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. All right. You guys ready for number two? Okay, here we go. Speaker number two today is also a mom of two. And her daughter Haley said that if her mom had a gazillion dollars, she would definitely buy Disney World. (laughs) Hey, everybody give it up for Miss Kristen Monahan. All right, all right, all right. You know, five for five is kind of an ADHD person's dream service. You know, it's changing every five minutes. That's why Jason loves it so much. He has said it about himself before. It's okay. All right, you can start my clock now. Who in here has ever had the scripture quoted to them God will never give you more than you can handle. That is what I thought. Okay, can I blow your mind today? It's not in the Bible. What? I know. It's not in there. Nowhere. Mind blown. It's crazy. The Kristen, if everybody says it, had to come from somewhere, right? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. It is actually a misquoted scripture from 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be, listen up, tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So in this scripture, we are talking about temptation, not suffering. Because the difference is temptation is a choice. You're tempted and you choose to not do it or you choose to do it. You choose it. But if you've lived on this earth for any amount of time, you and I both know that your suffering is not usually your choice. Am I right? Say yes. yes. Not your choice. Well, happy Mother's Day to me. This is such a happy thing to talk about. I promise you, it gets better. It gets better. Have you guys uh, ever had someone, when you say, when they say to you, God's not going to give you more than you can handle, ever thought this like I do? Because it's really weird up here in my brain, and I tend to have weird thoughts when people say things to me. And when they say, Kristen, God's not going to give you more than you can handle. And in that moment, I'm like, I hear you, I believe you, but oh my gosh, I'm not handling it. I am not doing this. I want to get in my car and drive far, far away from here. This is not handling it. 
So if you're telling me God's not going to give me more than I can handle and I'm not handling it, holy cow, the problem is me. I'm the one who's messed up. I'm the one who's broken. And I don't want you to know it, so I'm not going to be honest about how I'm really feeling because you're going to know how messed up I am. That's not at all what I want. But can I tell you guys that when I finally came to grips with this idea that I will be given more than I can handle. That is when everything changed for me because I realized that if we, if I, if you can handle anything and everything that comes our way, if we can handle it by ourselves, what do we need God for? We got it. And that's not the case because we don't got it, right? See, I didn't know what needing God really meant until I had no other choice but to need him because I couldn't do it. In those moments when my arms were wrapped around my waist, literally keeping it together to keep me from falling apart, or when I was on my knees yelling at the ceiling to God, that is when I discovered that my God is more than a convenient symbol of love. He is more than the reason why I behave. No, he has become the very air that I breathe. I have had to go breath by breath before, step by step before. I've had to say to myself over and over, and I do say this, God, help me control my thoughts and my emotions. Help me control my thoughts and my emotions. Help me control my thoughts and my emotions. I've had to do that to get through. And while this verse that we talked about, verse is not in the Bible, can I tell you what is in the Bible? All throughout the Bible, scripture after scripture, this is what God promises all of us. Do not fear for I am with you. And my God will meet all your needs. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He hears you. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So you sitting in your pain and drowning in your pain, just know that you can't handle it. And that's okay. Because God will. Thank you. So good. I told y'all, I told you it was going to be good today. I told you, I told you, I told you. All right, y'all ready for number three? See, it's hard for me to get up here and not preach a follow-up sermon to every sermon. That's just, you just yeah, got to know that, for sure. For sure. but that's all right. I'm, I'm not going to do it. All right. Uh, our third speaker today is making her five for five debut at Hope City Church. She is the mom of three, all three of them under the age of five, including twin boys. Let's just have a moment of prayer right now. Come on, stretch your... Uh, Megan Gardner and her husband, Jono, we just recently joined our team. They've been here just a couple of weeks uh, as the Shepherdsville campus pastors. And so in September, yeah, we're excited. 
In September, we're launching Hope City Church Shepherdsville. So we have South Louisville and Shepherdsville meeting at the same time every Sunday morning. So just a quick plug, if you live in the Bullitt County area, anywhere, Hillview, Bardstown area, we got a Hope City Church coming to you. We want you to be a part of that. And so we're excited to have John O and Megan here. And her daughter, Lakin, said that her mom's favorite thing to say is eat your food. Come on, give it up for Megan Gardner. Awesome, awesome. Hey guys, how you doing? Yay, awesome. So for most of you guys in this place today, I'm a brand new face to you, brand new person, and you don't know me yet, so that's okay. Uh, But I wanted to assure you that I'm no smarter than anybody else up here or more qualified than any of these ladies, so I'm honored. I'm I'm honored to be here today, and thank you guys so much. So I wanted to tell you guys a little bit about me, um, and the best way I could think to do that was to give you just one statement, and I think it's pretty much going to sum up my life. It's that I am a millennial. Okay. You've already got the idea in your head. It's probably correct, okay? I'm obsessed with tattoos. Uh, I'm late everywhere I go, and I don't apologize for it anymore just because I can't. I was born in the 90s, okay? And I stalk Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift on every asset of social media possible. That's just what I do. Come on, somebody, okay? (laughs) Amen, amen. But I gave my heart to Christ when I was 13 years old. And when I did, I had this idea about God that if I had enough faith and if I believed in him and prayed hard enough, then all my prayers would be answered, right? I believed that God was kind of measuring my faith, and if it didn't add up, then there was no power, that nothing would happen. I would pray for job applications I put in to go through because I know this is the job that God wants for me, or I would pray so hard for that super, super fine guy to ask me out because I know he's going to be my husband, one day, hallelujah. And I would pray prayers like, God, if you give me this one thing, I promise you I will never ask you for anything ever again. And then I pray that prayer like an hour and a half later. Come on. Yeah, that's kind of how it was. And I carried those thoughts and those ideas with me into my adulthood and into my relationships and in my marriage even. And I would pray for people that were sick, that were dealing with cancer or infirmities, and, and I'd believe, but they wouldn't get healed. Or I would pray for my children to behave better, and they still act like hurricane and tornadoes all the time, amen? <laughs> or I would pray against somebody at work that was just being mean, and there they are getting my raise, and there they are getting everything that I was supposed to have. So then I noticed that things that other people were praying for, they didn't really happen either. So, so what was wrong with us? Were our prayers not good enough? Or did God just not hear us? Like, what was going on? And I came across a scripture that I want to read to you guys. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, I used to think that God worked for me. That because I chose to follow him, that meant that he was up there just taking requests. But it took a long time to realize that God doesn't work for me. I work for him. Amen. Amen. That God is not just a small part of my life, but that I am a small part of his master plan. There's a woman in the Bible I want to share with you guys today found in Luke chapter 8. And I'll read some scripture. It says, In the crowd that day there was a woman who for 12 years had been afflicted with hemorrhages. She had spent every penny she had on doctors, but not one had been able to help her. She slipped in from behind and touched the edge of Jesus' robe. At that moment, her hemorrhaging stopped. Jesus said, who touched me? 
But when no one stepped forward, Peter said, but master, we've got crowds of people on our hands. Dozens have touched you. And Jesus insisted, someone touched me because I felt power discharged from me. When the woman realized that she couldn't remain hidden, she knelt trembling before him. In front of all the people, she blurted out her story, why she touched him and how at that same moment she was healed. Jesus says, daughter, you took a risk trusting me and now you're healed and you're whole. Live well, live blessed. You see, this woman acted on her faith despite her situation. We're trusting that God is in control and knowing what he's doing, even when it looks like everything's a mess and everything is falling apart. And even if we don't understand why, it's trust and faith and believe that God is who he says he is. See, what I learned from this story and what I want you guys all to know today is that faith isn't believing for what I want. It's believing he's everything that I need. Most people say, I believe it until I see it. But faith says, I'll believe it until I see it. We all have things that we hope for in life. All of us, young, rich, old, poor, doesn't matter who you are. And it's not about how much we pray or how much we serve or how perfect we try to make our life feel, but it's about believing that God is who he says he is and that no matter what, he's going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen. Thank you, guys. You've heard it said, she said, uh, she said, uh, hold up, I wrote it down, I'm taking good notes. She said, most people say, uh, I'll believe it when I see it, but faith is believing until I see it. That was my takeaway. That was so, that was so good. All right, I'm trying to get technology to work here. Hold on, hold on one second. I froze up, froze up. Y'all ready for speaker number four? Okay. Well, we're excited about this because speaker number four is also making her five for five debut, but even beyond that, She's preaching her first sermon ever. She's a mom of two, and usually my daughter on the weekends as well. And her daughter, Rayleigh, said that something that her mom always says to her, what her mom says to her the most is, I love you. Now clean up your room. (laughs) Will everybody put your hands together for Katie Ellis? All right. Happy Mother's Day. I hope all of you all have an amazing day today. So how many moms in the room would say that they planned out the day exactly how they wanted or at least gave some major hints to make sure it went how they planned? All right. Good. All right. Some like me. Awesome. All right. That is me. I told Brad, my husband, exactly how I wanted today to look. I mean, I know him and the girls would have done a great job planning my Mother's Day, but I already had thoughts in my head of how I thought it should be. A lot of times this happens in my relationship with Christ. I've experienced doubt on him, but even though I know that he is, has promises for my life and my future, I question his plan uh, from time to time. Sometimes I think that he, maybe he missed my hints if things don't turn out as I expected. <laughs> if you've ever experienced doubt, you're not alone. I'm gonna tell you a story about a woman named Martha uh, from the book of John. She had a sister named Mary and a brother named Lazarus. And they, Scripture tells us that Jesus loved them dearly. So we know that he spent a lot of time with them. They knew that he had performed miracles, fed 5,000, walked on water, healed the blind and the lame. So if anyone should believe that Jesus was capable of mighty things, it should have been Martha. 
So in John chapter 11, Lazarus becomes very ill. Mary and Martha sent word out to Jesus to have him come and heal him, just like he had done for many others. That was their plan, but he didn't. And then actually, Jesus shows up four days after Lazarus is already dead. Um, so when they see Jesus coming, Martha runs out to meet him. And she says, where were you? If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's completely, she's completely lost hope that she will ever see her brother again. And Jesus tells her, your brother will rise again. And Martha's response is, I know he's gonna rise on the last day when everybody else does. But in verse 25, he told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Martha says, yes, I do. I've always believed that you are the Messiah and the Son of God. Martha is grieving the loss of her brother and feeling hopeless. And Jesus promises her resurrection if she believes in him. And she says, I have always believed in you. But Martha still doesn't get it. Maybe Martha can't, hear, can't understand the power of Christ because she's focusing on what he's already done and not what he can do. Martha goes, uh, Martha thought she was too late to save her brother. But we all know that God's timing is perfect. And he doesn't just want Martha to see the miracle. He wants her to be a part of it. So he requests that they go to the tomb where Lazarus is buried. So Mary, Martha, and some others that are with them go to the tomb. And Jesus says, roll the stone away from the entrance. But Martha protests and says, he's been dead for four days. There's no possible way that he could come back to life. Because in Jewish culture, they thought that there was no possible resurrection after three days. So she's worried about the stench of his body. She says, surely he stinks. Even when she's desperate, she's still questioning God's promises and power. I find myself doing that from time to time. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see God's glory if you believe? I'm so thankful for a God that reminds us of his promises and his power, even when we question him. So you know the end of the story. The, they roll the stone away. Jesus rises uh, Lazarus from the dead, and he's back to life. And if God would have done it Martha's way, it would have been just another story of healing. But he was able to use her to bring her brother back to life. What if you're one scared step of obedience away from God doing something miraculous in your life? We will miss some of God's greatest miracles if we try to put him in a box based on our own comprehension. There are three things that I believe we can learn from Martha. Number one, she had to do some heavy lifting. Sometimes God requires hard work for you to see a miracle. Noah still had to build the ark. Moses had to lead the people through the desert. David had to fight Goliath. Number two, she had to address something stinky. In this case, it was a dead body. Maybe there's something messy or stinky in your life that God wants you to address. It's easier to keep it hidden, but if you bring it into the light, he will give you restoration. Number three, she didn't do it alone. Martha didn't move that stone by herself. It says they moved the stone. So we need people in her life to encourage us, to help us whenever we are feeling uncertain and doubtful. Whatever has you burn out today, call on God and he'll restore it. Whatever seems dead is one step away from new life. Faith doesn't mean you won't have doubts or questions, but it does require action in the middle of our doubts. God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. Move the stone, address the stinky mess, and call on others to help you, because our God is a God of restoration and redemption. Yeah. Amen. 
Well, okay. Get the organ out. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Great job. Great job. All right. We have one more speaker left. Can y'all, can y'all do one more? All right. Good, good, good. All right. So we got one more speaker left and she is a mom of four. And, uh, and, they, and and four crazy ones, well, two crazy ones, and four, four, four kids total. She's my wife. I love her so much. She has been gone all week. She's she been gone all week on me. Matter of fact, I feel like a single parent. I'm celebrating me. Did I already say that? I can't remember, but I'm celebrating me today. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll use that joke again. But I'm really excited you get to hear from her today. Will you put your hands together and welcome Miss Andrea Isaacs? Listen, I got to pick up from where Miss Katie just left off. Listen, when we get a vision of the fact that we serve a God who resurrects dead things, come on, somebody, we recognize that whatever is going on in our lives, that God has called us to call those things back to life. When he is leading us, when he is guiding us, there is absolutely nothing that we cannot do in Jesus' name. Amen. I have been wrestling with this question the last three months. Do you really believe, exactly like Katie just talked about, do you really believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me? Because I absolutely believe when you wrestle that to the ground, I mean all the way to the ground, that it will fundamentally and eternally change everything that you do. See, here's the way that that question kind of became alive for me. Uh, Paul, if you're friends with Paul in the New Testament, uh, he will rock your world. And when you start reading these letters and you start looking at the life of Paul, we have an example of somebody who lived every single day with a mindset of, oh my goodness, I can have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. But we know through Paul's stories and through his letters that a lot of times his enthusiasm got him into some pretty tough situations. He spent quite a bit of time in jail. And I don't know about you, but every time I start to get pulled over and those blue lights are going behind me, my stomach drops and I'm like, oh no, they found me. I don't know what they find me for. I have no idea. I'm not running from the law or anything like that. But there's just some part of me that's like, oh no, I'm done for. Is the tag expired? Is there a warrant out for my arrest? Oh my goodness. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine finding myself in a prison cell. But we see story and story and story and time and time and time again when Paul is in that very kind of situation. And he doesn't see it as a bad circumstance. No, he sees it as an opportunity. He sees it as a chance. And he has this kind of um, undying belief that every situation, every conversation, every experience is exactly where he needs to be. So here's what I, I really want us to pay attention to. I love this. If you get a chance to read through it this week, next week, I'd love for you to ch- take a look at Acts chapters 21 through 28, all the way through to the end. And I want to pick up the story and kind of summarize for us. Um, Paul is in one of these towns or cities where he is trying to uh, share with as many people as will listen. Uh, there's a guy, and his name is Jesus, and he was raised from the dead, and he'll change your life. That's the goal. That was, that was Paul's um, testimony that he was trying to, to get out to as many people as possible because the reality is when we really find Jesus, I mean, when we really find him, we can't stay quiet about it. When we really see him transform our lives, when we really see him bring dead things back to life, we have to talk about it. 
And so Paul is actually going to the Jews in chapter 21, and he's trying to talk to these people because he said, I'm going to start with them because they know God, but they don't know Jesus. And the Jews get really ticked off about it to a degree that they become violent. And there's this huge riot in the town, and it gets the attention of the Roman commander of the troops. And he goes and he arrests Paul. He's like, this guy must be stirring up trouble, uh, so we've got to get him out of this situation. Which, side note, sometimes the worst thing going on that we think is a really, really negative thing like getting arrested is actually God saving us from something worse. So he finds himself in jail, in the barracks. And Paul says, hey, excuse me, could you, if you wouldn't mind, he's super respectful. He says, could I go address the crowd? And he just begins to tell his own story. And I think for some of us, why we hold back and why maybe we aren't fully walking out the evangelism that God is calling us to is because we have this intimidation that we don't know the Bible good enough or well enough. We don't have a seminary degree. We, we don't know theology inside and out, but that's not what God expects. God wants you to tell your story. He wants you to share how Jesus has changed your life. That's it. That's the requirement. Can I tell my story? Well, the crowd gets riled up again, and so they have to pull Paul back to the barracks. And actually, the, the Roman guard, the, the, the commander of the troops, he, he's getting kind of frustrated. And so he sends out uh, an order to a centurion. I need you to get this guy to talk. I got to figure out what's going on. And before the guy can take the first strike, Paul says, hang on, I'm a Roman citizen. Now, I don't think we totally understand the power of that because we don't often enough invoke our authority and our identity that we have from heaven. When God has you on a mission, when he is using you and you say, wait, I got to tell you, I'm a citizen of heaven. His protection, his uh, covering steps in, and there is nothing that can lay a hand on us that isn't already ordained by God. So Paul, he, he, they find out, oh my goodness, he's a Roman citizen, so they send him to the governor. The governor doesn't know what to do, so they send him to the king. The king doesn't know what to do, and Paul says, I got to talk to Caesar, and I'm here to tell you today that God has great things for you, but it might not always feel so great. But if you'll let him, he'll get you to the places and the people and the positions that he needs. And I want you to take advantage of every opportunity, every circumstance, every seemingly impossible situation. And I want you to tell your story. Yeah. 